Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Today is October 7th, 2022, and our first story. Cori Bush says that she was the victim of a forced abortion in a shocking interview with PBS. This is a progressive Democrat telling the story, and it's chilling. In our next story, a woman, 23 years old, has been euthanized in Europe. She was healthy. This is an ongoing trend where healthy people for mental reasons are being killed by medical professionals. All of these Democrat policies lead in one direction, population reduction. And in our last story, Joe Biden says the threat of Armageddon is real. And Vladimir Putin is not joking around about the use of nukes. As I said, everything seems to be moving in the direction of population reduction, whether there's intent towards it or not. If you like the show, give us a good review, leave us five stars and share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. In what may be one of the most shocking videos I have ever seen, Cori Bush, a progressive Democrat, says she was a victim of a forced abortion. She said she begged the doctors to stop and they wouldn't. I say this is one of the most shocking videos I've ever seen because, well, look, I've seen war. I've seen conflict. I've seen accidents. I've seen corruption. But even the most brutal and vile video of someone committing a crime, punching an old man in the face or a shootout in public, these are things that we know are bad and we try to stop. These are things, typically the worst videos that involve destroying people's lives or taking their lives. In this, not only do we have an individual, have, uh, do we have someone's life being taken, the baby in this regard, we have a woman who is a Democrat, is a progressive, saying, I begged them to stop. Cori Bush is progressive. For what reason this interview came out, I, I don't understand. She talks about it in her book that she was the victim of a forced abortion. Let me play for you this clip from PBS. You can see it for yourself. When you talk about um, the experience you had with abortion is how nuanced your view is, um, because this is a complicated topic. And you talk about how the fact that it's complicated mm. showed up in your own life. Yes. Um, you became pregnant two years later when you were 19 and you chose to have an abortion. You went to an abortion clinic at this time. You were enrolled in university. You had started Harris Stowe State University and you got to the clinic and had second thoughts. Yes. Walk me through what happened. So I, I was thinking back to 
the first abortion, okay? You've done this before. You know the rooms. You know what it looks like. You know what it feels like in, in this place. You know what to expect. You know um, that you may experience even some harm or some racism. I want to pause right there and just make sure we highlight that. Cori Bush says she knows what it's like in this place and she may experience some harm or some racism. Now, initially, I think a lot of people might be like, come on, like you're coming into a clinic. Do you really think you hear the story? And when she talks about what they did, I have to wonder if, you know, look, Kanye is trending right now. You see this? Kanye's trending because he talked about Margaret Sanger. I have to wonder if there's abortion, if there's a uh, racism behind this. Let's keep keep playing in this in this space. Like, I thought I was ready. Because you had um, experienced because racism I, previously. I had. So I thought I was ready. And I went in and I went through all the steps because they were like, you. it's almost like an assembly line. You know, you go from room That's to room. That's creepy. And I got into the last room. I, I was helped up onto the table by the nurse. And I laid there and I started to think, well, one, I didn't tell the father that that was about to happen. Um, I, and I just, I just felt like I needed more time. So I said, no, you know what? I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. And the nurse just, you know, wouldn't listen to me. And I said, no, I'm not ready. And as I'm saying no, they continued to pull the instruments and, you know, get everything ready. And, and it was just like, no, calm down. You know, no, you're going to be okay. So you were telling them that was, you didn't want to move forward. Yes. And they were ignoring you. They were, oh, they absolutely ignored me, um, even to the point of, you know, like, calm down as if I was the problem. And so I didn't really know, like, I, I didn't understand at that point where, uh, my, like, where I had a voice, like, mm-hmm. who listened to me. And so I remember laying there looking to see um, if there was someone else in the room that would, that would listen to me. And the they ended up putting, during this time, they put the instrument inside me and started the instrument. So it was... And I'm saying no, but it was too late because you can stop once it started. Why do you think they didn't listen to you? The same as as other times where I haven't been listened to by a provider um, or medical staff. You know, I was a young black woman. You know, I... I don't think it's for her to answer why. I don't. I don't know how you verify a story like this, but this is insane. And man, I feel bad for Corey Bush. That's a crazy story, man. Corey, I'm sorry I had to deal with something like that. And I'm, I'm impressed that you're willing to speak out about it because politics these days, they're so intense. One of the things that surprised me about this video is that a progressive is willing to come out and outright say this happened. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, at a time when they're claiming that Roe v. Wade is a defining issue of the midterms and it's going to save the Democrats, you have something as powerful uh, a statement as this. It's something people need to hear because I got questions about about racism, too. Look, I, I think oftentimes you hear stories about racism and, you know, often these are legitimate claims by people who are experiencing it, experiencing it. And I'll tell you, they would know. You know what I mean? But the problem I have is so many of these woke liberals reject any concept of racism when it doesn't align with their weird, you know, pseudo Marxist or I should say like neo Marxist views. When you have someone who comes out like Candace Owens to make a point, they'll call her racist. They'll call her a white supremacist. So often I'm just like, I don't know if I believe you. 
But we've had people come on Timcast IRL. We've had people who are black, who are Asian, Latino, and talk about the racism they've experienced. Obviously, I have too, probably not to the same extent as someone like Cori Bush. But it really makes you wonder, man, when you look at Planned Parenthood facilities, and they're always real close or in black and Latino communities. Now, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of people have stated that Margaret Sanger was an outright eugenicist who didn't like black people. And uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to oversimplify anyone's positions, but you know, Michael Malice, who's a good friend of ours, has rejected this and said, and no, so I, I'm not a historian. I've had a lot of people show me things and be like, this is true. But I'll tell you this right now. <clears throat> what's, what's the argument here? Cori Bush says she did experience racism in an abortion clinic. She then says she went in, had second thoughts, said no, and they would not stop. Are we supposed to just outright be like, I don't believe her when she claims there was racism. I don't believe her when they said, when she said no and begged them and they wouldn't stop. Or do we believe her? Now, I'll say, all right, evidence, you know, you need You need some kind of evidence. But I remember believe all women. And what they were doing with this was they were like, believe all women is, you know, uh, you have to believe them, right? And we were like, no, 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 no. You believe with the evidence. What we do is we take the claims seriously. When someone comes out and says that they were assaulted or abused, you say, we take it seriously and we'll, we'll investigate like we would for any victim. And if we can't find evidence to corroborate it, when well, no one gets arrested. This is interesting. Are we going to believe all women now? If you are a progressive, if you are a leftist, are you going to believe all women now when Cori Bush is the one coming out saying she's the victim of a forced abortion? I, it's this crazy story, man. I just, Firing line with Margaret Hoover, PBS, publishing this. I'm, uh, wow, I'm impressed. Life News. They're not NewsGuard certified. NewsGuard says they are fake news. But this, this is a video. It's, it's outright a video. She says it. From the Washington Post. Biden warns of GOP's extreme policies as he marks 100 days since Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Yeah, it's the Republicans' extreme policies. Look, I understand why someone is saying they take issue with what's happening in terms of abortion. And I think we've got a very serious problem when, when what happened to Cori Bush can happen, and it should not happen. How many times do you think this has probably happened? Now, full disclosure, I'm pro-choice. If Cori Bush says she wants to get an abortion and it is pre-viability, well, there are certain, there are certain I, I, I lean towards choice on this one. I, I will recognize I don't like the idea of elective abortions as contraception. But this story right now should be a red flag for anyone. Cori Bush said she didn't want one, and they did it anyway. Yo, that's crazy. But here's the crazy thing. Do you think the left, the progressives, will come out and, and highlight this? I don't think so. I think they'll mostly ignore it. I could be wrong. Hopefully, I will be. Hopefully, they'll come out and say there needs to be some kind of safeguard so something like this doesn't happen. How does Cori Bush get justice for what happened to her? So you have this idea. There are uh, uh, these pregnancy centers. They're pro-life, but they basically just provide, you know, food and carriages for pregnant women. I see all these memes where they there, there was one meme I saw. It, it was an empty uh, queue. It was like the ropes leading up to a, a, a clerk. And it said the, the, the pro-life queue for adoption. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, 
They have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. And it was empty. And I'm like, that's just ridiculous. Pro-lifers do adopt more than pro-choice. It's like, there's a bunch of stats on this. I don't know if it's like significant enough, but people who are pro-life tend to. They claim that the pro-lifers don't care about babies. Yo, I have a, I have a philosophical uh, and ethical argument with the concept of outright pro-life and the limitations of abortion. And as much as I prefer elective abortions don't happen, there's a serious challenge in the government's authority to grant someone, someone the right to your body. That's why I'm like, after the baby's viable, there's no reason to kill it. That's just insane. But I digress. What we're talking about here is pregnancy centers that provide for women, and that's it. The left wants to argue that pro-lifers won't support women, but they are. And then what happens? Firebombing, vandalism, and destruction at pro-life uh, pregnancy centers. Here's why I bring this up. For one, the hypocrisy. But two, they say that women go there and they're tricked. They think it's an abortion clinic, and then these people convince them to keep the baby. And it's just like, okay. Like, are people not allowed to be like, I would like to uh, persuasively tell you not to get an abortion? That's what they should be doing. They firebomb these buildings and destroy them. Meanwhile, at an actual abortion clinic, Cori Bush says no, and they just keep going. The argument made by many of the the pro-abortion camp, because it's not pro-choice, it's pro-abortion, is that it's manipulation to try and convince a woman to have a baby. What? Sure, fine, whatever. Why is it wrong to try and convince someone? If you want to state your case for abortion, go ahead and do it. If you want to force a woman to undergo an abortion, yo, you should be in prison. The argument right now, this is the problem. People on the right, they, they, they roll over and they accept defeat in these capacities, in these circumstances that they would say, OK, OK, fine. You know, we'll we'll give it we'll give it up. We won't argue for this. No, the right should be arguing that and, and many do that abortion clinics should try and persuade women not to get abortions beforehand. The woman who's getting an abortion should know definitively in her heart of hearts why it has to be done for whatever the reason. Hopefully, it's not an elective, random, I don't care kind of thing that we're seeing in the media. My view of abortion is, it's complicated, I'll say that for sure. I don't like it, don't want it to happen. But there are certain circumstances. Six weeks in, maybe, and there's, uh, let's just say that within six weeks, there's a threat to the viability of the fetus, there's a risk to the mother's health, serious, serious concerns. That's when I'm like, okay, that I recognize. If the baby is viable, meaning it can survive on its own, there's no reason to kill it. So this is a very, a very important point. Even when they're talking about the health of the mother, if they're like, the mother cannot carry this baby to term or she'll die, I say, agreed, deliver it. She can't deliver it or she'll die. Okay, C-section. 
only in the event that they say there is no way to get this baby out, would I agree with a post-viability abortion. And only then. And the challenge there is how do you trust that it's true and correct? I'm not going to make up a reason. I don't know. I have an issue with the government coming in and being like, we've hereby determined this woman's body is now shared with this individual. And I'm like, that's tough. That's tough. I wish it were an easy situation, but we got a lot to consider. Personal liberty and responsibility it is the personal responsibility of the woman. If she chose to engage in relations and became pregnant, well, if she accepted those the responsibilities, she's got to deal with the consequences. But then what about a question of rape? I'm not even talking about incest because that's their still choice there. But outright rape, the woman did not act irresponsibly and it was forced upon her. Many people have said to me, Tim, it's not the baby's fault and its life shouldn't be terminated because of the crime. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And the life of the baby is 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 of of, of equal right as the right of the woman carrying it. Now, I understand the pro-life argument. Killing a baby is worse than making a woman carry the baby for nine months. I get it. I do. You don't want to see the baby die. You think it's, it's, it's life is that important. My view is more of a libertarian perspective and less of a conservative one because I'm not a partic- I'm not particularly conservative. My view is the government should never have the right in any circumstance to mandate someone provide their body to someone else. If the baby is viable, the baby can be safely removed and provided for so that it can it can it can grow and survive. But that's why I think that there shouldn't be any kind of pregnancy termination electively post viability. It's at that point, it's like the baby's viable, you know, personal responsibility plays a role. I get it. I know the ethics and the morals are are difficult on this one. I'm not going to pretend to be the arbiter of truth and morality. And I certainly understand the pro-life position. Your moral line is don't end the baby's life. And I truly get it. And I agree it's wrong to do. My moral line is I will never say the government can make the determination of whose life is more valuable and how much time one person must sacrifice for another. I just do not believe the government should be doing that. So here's what it brings me to. If a woman is six weeks pregnant, I don't see the government having a right to intervene when she's making a determination. I do think it's wrong, elective abortion. And perhaps there's a compromise we can come to. We say, okay, uh, you know, we, we've talked about this. If you think that abortion uh, in, in the rape, uh, I'm sorry, abortion as it pertains to rape and incest and all that, they say that, uh, you know, it's, it's incredibly rare. Um, here, here's, what, here's, here's what I'm trying to get to. We can say all abortions with cause, all of them. If it means elective abortions are out because they often say like, oh, you know, in these circumstances, incredibly rare that a woman, you know, is getting an abortion for this or that reason. My point is just define the parameters where you're okay saying we won't allow this. The issue is we're not dealing with pro-choice and pro-life. We're dealing with pro-abortion. And that's why this happened to Cori Bush, because these people are not pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. It's why Kanye West is trending right now. Well, they say because of Instagram, but he appeared on Tucker Carlson and talked about Margaret Sanger and eugenics and all that stuff. I don't think he's wrong, man. I don't think he's wrong. My uh, my ideal scenario, women don't get abortions. My less than ideal scenario, the government is intervening and demanding information on women as it pertains to their pregnancies. I've heard really good pro-life arguments, but I will be honest with you guys. Deep down, in my personal and moral ethics that are hard to define, there is just a barrier where I'm like, I just don't understand and I will not respect the government making these mandates. I just can't do it. I can't. 
And there are women who say they'd kill themselves if they were forced. If a woman is raped and then she has to carry the baby and you're like, but don't don't punish the baby. And I'm like, I get it, man. But dude, the woman didn't make that choice. And now you have to deal with the rights of two individuals. You argue that the needs, the, the life of the baby outweighs the discomfort of the woman. And I'm just like the government as a collective, the people do not have a right to determine morality and what is, uh, you know, in, in that don't, don't have a right to determine in like, in my view, subjugating someone for the sake of another person is what I'm trying to say. I certainly understand that we collectively do determine morality. Murder is wrong. It's illegal to go to jail for it. But I think there's a challenge in in issuing a, a kind of determination as, as, a, as the public that is a detriment to someone else. It's just tough. I don't know. Like, imagine if you bought a car and then it turns out that the guy who sold it, uh, you know, was a criminal. And so they say, well, that car was purchased initially through illicit funding. That man then sold it to you and you had no idea. So we're seizing it. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. And they, they sometimes do this. I don't like the idea that the government would be like, you've had this car for three years, but the person you bought it from, he did buy it legitimately from a dealership, but with drug money. That was a crime. We're taking the car from you. An adverse event against an individual who was acting responsibly. I have a difficult time overcoming that as it pertains to elective abortion for, you know, these, you know, like a woman, she hooks up, she's irresponsible. I completely agree. That's wrong. How do we determine that? And how do what do we? I don't know, man. I don't know. I just always fall back to less government involvement, I suppose. But again, I certainly don't agree with the pro-abortion crowd. They just seem to want it. This story, man, this is right now. We're being told that Roe v. Wade is going to be this defining defining uh, moment in the midterms. And maybe it seems to have given a big boost to Democrats, but gas prices are not far behind. Probably gas prices are above abortion for sure. But I mean, the, the gas prices are going up. It's starting to get worse. In L.A., it's like almost it's over seven bucks now. I think the average is like 650. I don't think Roe v. Wade is going to play as big of a role as people think. And I think stories like this from people like Cory Bush are a wake up call to what's really going on with a lot of this stuff. Now, maybe this story is anomalous. I certainly hope so. I hope Cori Bush gets justice. I hope she gets sympathy from many on the right. I hope people ask her to please keep sharing these stories and work towards preventing this. And at the very least, if there's one thing we can agree on, by all means, fine. Pro-choice, pro-life, a pro-abortion, whatever. We should have safeguards to make sure this doesn't happen. If a woman goes to a clinic and then she has second thoughts, the, the doctor should be forced to immediately stop. Just immediately. It's a scary story, you know. We hear about similar things when it comes to people who are like trans, too. They say there, there was a bunch of these stories from from detransitioners who talk about how they were on you know, they're in the, the hospital bed and they're saying this is a bad idea. I don't want to do this. And they're like, no, 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 no. Everything's going to be fine. Be brave. Be brave. And then these people are saying no, but they don't care. We got to have some kind of protections for people who are outright expressing they don't want to go through with a medical procedure. There should be no grounds of like everybody has second thoughts. So we ignore it. Nah, none of that. The moment someone says no, it should be full stop. We can't we can't proceed. These are people's lives. There is a child and this story from a long time ago, a human being whose light will never shine. There's a viral meme where this woman's like, you claim that the child that's aborted could have cured cancer, but the gay kid you bullied and the blah, 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 blah. It's like the argument they're trying to make is the people you are bigoted towards into who, who, who are bullied into suicide could also change the world. And it's like, dude. 
The people who are advocating for saving kids are not advocating for bullying gay kids. Some might be, but that's not an argument. The pro-life people want everyone to live. And they say, yeah, you're pro-life, but you support the death penalty. And it's like a child that has committed no crime is different from someone who like murdered a kid. There's, 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 it's just, it's absurd, man. And it culminates in this. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. All roads lead to population reduction. Be it this story about a 23-year-old woman who was euthanized in Belgium due to depression. How about another story? A 29-year-old woman, also depressed, euthanized. Or the stories coming out of Canada, where a veteran called in saying that he wasn't feeling well mentally, and they said, why don't you die? Now, that's one element that I want to focus on in this segment. But there's also just, how about this? War. Yeah, World War III is around the corner. Maybe it won't happen, but that's certainly going to result in a reduced population. The war itself is resulting in food shortages. It's going to re- result in a lower lowering of the population. You then have farmers being told in the, in the Netherlands not to farm. At a time when we're facing a food crisis, that's going to result in a lower population. You have the expansion of the you have the pro-abortion faction, well beyond pro-choice, saying uh, advocating for laws that would allow abortion to the point of birth. That's going to result in less people. You have the sterilization of children. Now, the conspiracy theory, I suppose, is that it's intentional, that someone is orchestrating these events to make it happen. I don't know about none of that. I'm just saying that we are moving in a disgusting, hellish direction to see in Europe that healthy young women are being killed. Yo, that's crazy. And there's another story that I covered earlier about Cori Bush, a progressive Democrat who tells the story of undergoing a forced abortion. Now, there's hope. I think people are starting to see this. They recognize that something is wrong. And just because crime in general, Democrats may end up losing. And, you know, all of these policies seem to be coming from one side of the aisle. Because regular people are getting fed up with high gas prices, shortages of goods across the board, labor shortages, and because stories like this are shocking, maybe people will wake up to what's happening. Now, of course, there's a question of, are there too many people? And in some respects, I would agree. It's very difficult to manage billions of people. In a country like the United States with 320 some odd million, it is very difficult to effectively govern. I mean, that's, 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 that's reality. But you have two different camps. You have the Bill Gates camp. You have the global elites who believe there are too many people. Bill Gates has talked about how we can reduce population growth. And then you have the Elon Musk camp where he says, no, in fact, we need more people. Now, I happen to believe we I don't know about need more people, but we can certainly accommodate more people. My view is that the problem is population density in big cities. I think that results in a hyper concentration of waste, which is hard to dissipate. So if we start by saying, get out of the cities, become more self-sufficient, then we don't have that much to worry about in terms of overpopulation. But it's more than that. Climate change. Climate change proposes a Green New Deal, proposes a reduction of fossil fuels. And hey, that one's the most alarming. When Greta Thunberg comes out and says, we will not wait, we must stop fossil fuels now, she's outright saying, we should kill 60 million people overnight. And, and the worst is those who have diabetes because insulin needs to be refrigerated. If you do not have self-sufficiency, if you are not self-sufficient and the grid does get harmed, I mean, you're in trouble. So I'll say this from the get go. 
Euthanasia is here. It's in Canada. It's in Europe. They are just going to start killing people. And there's a question I, I got on Twitter, but why? Why does it matter? People aren't obligated to live. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yeah, I'll explain to you why it's bad. Simply put, when they do kill you, they'll just claim you chose it. That's the scary reality that we face if we allow policies like this to move forward. But it's a policy. It is a movement of death. It is a death cult. The woke cult, the policies they support, whether intentional or not. I don't know about any conspiracies. All I know is what they're supporting is death. Let's read this shocking story. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member to support our work directly. All of our journalists working around the clock are supported by you as members. That's how, that's how it works. When you guys sign up to contribute, you'll get access to the uncensored TimCast IRL members only show, Cast Castle, Tales from the Inverted World, and the green room behind the scenes with our guests. And as a member, that, fun, that funding helps employ all of our journalists who are reporting the news every single day and doing a good job of fact checking it. If you like the work we do, become a member at TimCast.com. But don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, and most importantly, share this video because YouTube, I'm being told, is not notifying people anymore. You can hit the little bell. You can say, yes, notify me. But still, people are saying they're not getting it. The midterms are about a month away. And maybe there's something political there. So if you want to counteract the censorship, you can be the notification by taking the video and sharing it on social media. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. A woman who survived the Brussels airport terror attack has died after choosing to be euthanized due to severe depression and PTSD she suffered following the incident. Shanti de Corte, 23, was walking through the departures lounge of the Belgian airport in Zaventem on March 22, 2016, with her school classmates ahead of a trip to Italy when ISIS detonated a bomb. The then 17-year-old escaped the explosion, which together with two other detonations claimed 32 lives and injured more than 300 without suffering any physical wounds. But the psychological effects of the ordeal left her racked by constant panic attacks and bouts of dark depression from which she never managed to emerge. Despite attending a psychiatric hospital in her hometown of Antwerp for rehabilitation and taking a range of antidepressant medications, Shanti was unable to shake the specter of depression and attempted suicide on two different occasions in 2018 and 2020. Earlier this year, the troubled young woman opted to be euthanized, a procedure which is illegal in Belgium, and died on May 7th, 2022, after two psychiatrists approved her request. Shanti's tragic story was brought to light earlier this week when her mother, Mariel, told Belgian outlet VRT of her daughter's pain. That day really cracked her. She never felt safe after that. She didn't want to go anywhere where other people were out of fear. She also had frequent panic attacks and, and she never got rid of it. Now, I want to make sure it's clear. This woman did not have a terminal illness. She was not bleeding or cancerous or suffering from a de degenerative disease. No, it was mental anguish. Now, I get it. That can be intense. 
but to kill an otherwise healthy, healthy person? Dark days indeed. Shanti frequently recalled her experiences following the bombing on social media and spoke of her struggles dealing with her declining mental health. In one post, she wrote, I get a few medications for breakfast and up to 11 antidepressants a day. I couldn't live without it. With all the medications I take, I feel like a ghost that can't feel anything anymore. Maybe there were other solutions than medications. I want you to understand something. People like to jump from the Golden Gate Bridge as a method of taking their own lives. It's tragic. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. Sometimes people survive. Every single person who survives, according to one documentary, every single one said the moment they jumped, there it was, a moment of clarity that everything they suffered from, every problem they faced could be solved, except having just jumped from the Golden Gate Bridge. And when they were severely injured but survived, they were grateful to be alive. It's kind of crazy how that works. A sort of wake up call that when placed in a situation where your life may end and you've lost control, every single person said, I'm glad I didn't die because the depression is fleeting. What I see here is a story, and I'm not a medical doctor, so I don't know. I see a story of someone who needed help, not drugs. They go on to say, the 23-year-old had been suffering from severe depression before she opted to end her life, according to her school psychologist. She told RTBF, a media outlet, there are some students who react worse than others to traumatic events. And having interviewed her twice, I can tell you that Shanti DeCorte was one of those fragile students. The psychologist referred Shanti to a psychiatric hospital in Antwerp, which the young woman regularly attended. But in 2018, she tried to commit suicide after a sudden decline in her mental state following an altercation with another patient who sexually assaulted her. You see, this is not just about the trauma of an attack. This is about someone who is being victimized, even in these hospitals. Or I should say, maybe not in the hospital, but by a patient. So in 2020, she made another attempt. You know, the issue I take with this is when they try to make it seem like it's related to terror, there is something else going on in this woman's life, and she could have been saved. The woman was euthanized on May 7th, 2022, surrounded by her family. In one final touching post on social media, the day she was euthanized, she wrote, I was laughing and crying until the last day. I loved and was allowed to feel what true love is. Now I will go away in peace. Know that I miss you already. The case may yet not be closed as Antwerp prosecutors begin an investigation of receiving complaints from a neurologist at the UZC Brugman Academic Clinical Hospital in Brussels, who said the decision to euthanize Shanti was made prematurely. The Federal Commission for the Control and Evaluation of Euthanasia in Belgium had no concerns over the case. But neurologist Paul Deltenre argued that there were still different modalities of care and treatment available to Shanti that were not tried, according to RTBF. This is a story from Terra Femina. It is, uh, I, I believe this is a European. Uh, it's a website. It's, in, uh, it's French. I think it's French. It's a website aimed at women that covers social issues work from a feminist perspective. And uh, I've run a translation on it, which basically breaks down everything that happened. And uh, it's shocking. I believe it's a French, French feminist paper. There's more. It's not just this one woman. I think it's, it's, it's horrifying what we're beginning to witness. Euthanasia for young, healthy people. What do we do? I don't know. Some people responded on Twitter saying, good riddance. And there is an interesting question about the reduction in population. It's who's having their population reduced. It's not conservatives. I mean, through opioids, maybe. 
through uh, opiate addiction that's destroying many in more rural areas. But you take a look at sterilization, abortion, and euthanasia, and it tends to be the left. So many people come out and say, yeah, they were weak anyway. And I think it's horrifying. You know, I often make the joke that, I, you know, it's kind of a crass, a dark comedy, that when the left argues for sterilizing their own children, yeah, well, OK, if that's what they want to do, the end result will be these people not having any more children. They're aborting their kids and sterilizing them. The end result will be the planet's conservative, probably Muslim, to be completely honest. But, but the issue here is we don't want people victimized especially children who can't consent. But that's what's happening. The end result is going to be these people's lives being destroyed. Now that they're now, now that they're beginning to legalize, and they have for some while now, 20 years in Belgium, euthanasia for otherwise healthy individuals. What happens to these kids who are sterilized, who grow up and say, I hate my life and I don't want to be this? Yeah, I think we know. Here's a story from 2018. A woman's final Facebook message before euthanasia. I'm ready for my trip now. Assisted suicide in the, in the Netherlands include a 29-year-old who had nothing wrong with her physically. ADF International. Europe's top human rights court rules Belgium violated right to life in euthanasia case. There's some pushback. That, uh, the European Court of Human Rights ruled that Belgium failed to conduct proper investigation into the circumstances of the 2012 euthanasia of Gadelieva Detroyer. While judgment dismissed challenge to Belgium's euthanasia legal framework, the facts of the case send clear warnings of the dangers of euthanasia and the fiction of legal safeguards. A woman, another one, healthy, older, killed. Now, I want to distinct. I want to draw a distinction. I want to make sure there I draw the distinction between the physically healthy and those who are suffering. I know a lot of people who are pro-life and who are conservative don't agree with euthanasia in any capacity. That's not me. In this story from Reuters from July, after long legal battle, Peru confirms woman's right to euthanasia. This woman had a degenerative muscle disease. She couldn't move. She was bedridden and couldn't do anything. She was only alive because a machine was keeping her alive. Now, I have questions about that. I wonder, is it God's plan for your body to fail, but for machines to keep you alive? I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps not. I, just, I don't know. I think there'll be different perspectives on this. I take a more natural approach that if an individual cannot live and they are suffering from a disorder, disease, and, it's, and, and it ceases, it, it inhibits their function, well, then maybe they have a right to say, like, I am not living this life. Here's the challenge. I am not the arbiter of morality. I'll say that. I say that a million times. It is because of this that we've opened the door to otherwise healthy people. It's a very similar argument to abortion, you should understand. When they say the health of the mother, are we talking about a debilitating disease that would kill you? Or are we talking about the mental health in which the woman will be physically completely fine? You see, once they pass these rules, it becomes up to the doctor to decide what is or isn't debilitating. And then you end up with a 23-year-old woman saying, my depression is debilitating, so be it. Now, it's coming here. I mean, this stuff is shocking. Disturbing. Experts troubled by Canada's euthanasia laws, August 11th, 2022. Alan Nichols had a history of depression and other medical issues, issues but none were life-threatening. When the 61-year-old Canadian was hospitalized in June 2019 over the fears he might be suicidal, he asked his brother to bust him out as soon as possible. Within a month, Nichols submitted a request to be euthanized, and he was killed. 
Despite concerns raised by his family and a nurse practitioner, his application for euthanasia listed only one health condition, hearing loss. Nichols' family reported the case to police and health authorities, arguing that he lacked the capacity to understand the process and was not suffering unbearably. Among the requirements for euthanasia, they say he was not taking needed medication, wasn't using the cochlear implant that helped him hear, and that hospital staffers improperly helped him request euthanasia. They are going to do more of this. Now, here's the latest. Canadian soldier with PTSD outraged when VA suggests euthanasia. A man who called and said, I'm suffering. They said, why don't you die? Now, someone said to me on Twitter, what's the point? Why are you so mad? There's no obligation to live. I actually agree from a libertarian, uh, from a liberty minded and libertarian standpoint. Who's to make you live? I think the issue is we want to help people because life is good. But here's the more important point. You want to make an individualist argument? Fine. But you're a collectivist authoritarian. So here's what happens. They legalize euthanasia. Then you start protesting government. You say our leaders are corrupt and I refuse to live this way. You get involved in some protests and they arrest you. They then release a statement saying this person is clearly suffering and depressed. After a conversation with them, they said, perhaps I just should not be alive. And so we decided to euthanize them. The family showed up with smiles on their faces saying, thank you so much for taking care of our loved one. What's to say when the government is legally allowed to kill people? That they don't just come out and say, this individual chose it. What's to say there's not some bad doctor? And maybe it's an edge case. And he's blackmailing or abusing a woman. And then when she confronts him, he injects her with a drug and then says, she came to me depressed and requested to die. What's to stop the government from purging dissidents by claiming that dissent is a mental defect? Now, of course. In the immediate, they won't come out and be like, this person protested. They're insane. Kill them. They'll say, when we brought this person for care, they were depressed. They were frantic and agitated. And they expressed to us their mental anguish. And ultimately, they decided euthanasia was the right thing for them. Who's to complain? And who's to argue otherwise? You see, the one thing the Nazis didn't have was this. They just went and started killing people. But imagine you have a legal framework by which people can choose to die. Well, what's to stop them from just claiming? Any witness to the contrary is dead. So no, we don't allow the government to sanction the killing of individuals. And that's happening at a governmental level in Canada. All roads lead to the reduction in population. Be it euthanasia or, of course, the war. From the BBC. World must act now to stop Russia nuclear threat, Zelensky. Zelensky warns Russians are being prepared for nuclear warfare. Zelensky the other day called for a preemptive strike on Russia. A nuclear one, nonetheless. He didn't explicitly say that. He said that we shouldn't wait until after they nuke. We should act before they do with a preemptive strike. Right. That would be to imply we attack Russia. NATO does. Declaring war. To send him a message. I assure you, that move would result in Russia actually launching the nukes. All roads lead 
to population reduction. Again, I'm not saying it's intentional. I'm not saying that there's an evil cabal of individuals who have planned this. I'm just saying these things are all heading in that direction. I covered this at 1 p.m. One of the most nightmarish stories I've ever heard. On PBS, progressive Democrat Cori Bush saying that she went to get an abortion, changed her mind, begged them to stop, but they started the instrument and killed her baby, saying she was saying no, stop, but they ignored her and did it anyway, because all roads lead to population reduction. Now, it is true. Bill Gates gave a TED talk where he said that through greater technology, we can reduce population growth by about 15%. It is true that Bill Gates is worried about overpopulation, and there are many other world leaders who are. Now, to a certain degree, I can respect the fear. To me, it is absurd, this belief that there will be infinite resources. No. This planet is finite, and we should not be like yeast farting ourselves to death. That would not be fun. So we need to recognize that even though we may make up only a small fraction of, you know, relative to the size of the planet, we don't consume that much. But the ecosystem is delicate and we are causing problems. But I think the issue is not overpopulation, but population density, in which case the solution is spread people out. Now, we're starting to see that for sure. Remote working, the pandemic sure did um, result in a lot of people spreading out from big cities. Population density is still a problem. I'll explain it this way. I got a bunch of chickens. You know, I love me some chickens. They are funny little critters. Okay, well. When they all start pooping like crazy, it builds up and you've got to go in and try and clean it. It becomes toxic and a problem. But if you have the chickens grazing in the yard and they're pooping all over, it's not that much more space. But when the rain comes, it all washes away. In fact, fertilizes the ground, a net benefit when dispersed properly. When they're in one tight space, you get mounds and mounds of crap and it starts smelling like ammonia and it can be bad for the chickens. New York City hyperpopulation density, everyone crapping in the same place, and it's causing pollutant chemical runoff. If you could split apart the the cities and and have people move around and spread out, the waste could be handled, you know, human waste, for instance, with septic systems that you really don't got to do much for, for real. When done properly, septic systems, just let them do their own thing. The bacteria breaks it all down and it leaches out. And, you know, depending on what you got going in there, you got to get a pump come out and clean it out. And you're supposed to do that every so often. But nature, it can, it can do its job so long it's not hyper-concentrated. That's my view of what's going on with overpopulation. But what we see with everything is just less people. You've got the Cori Bush story, and they've got Kanye West. 50% of black death in America is abortion. Kanye West slams pro-choice campaigners as he wears lanyard with image of a fetus during his Tucker Carlson interview and says there's more black babies being aborted than born in New York City. I believe he's right. In 2013, there were around 5,000 more abortions than births of black babies in New York City, according to an official report published by the city. Now, why is it? Why is it that these Planned Parenthood centers tend to be in black and Latino neighborhoods? You got me. But again, there's a great point being made by Kanye West. They are aborting more babies than babies are being born. I wonder. That doesn't necessarily mean that the black population will shrink. Depends on how many babies are being born relative to how many people there are currently. But it seems like the end result 
Population growth reduction. It's weird. Bill Gates has a whole lot of operations in Africa. And these Planned Parenthood centers sure do happen to be around black neighborhoods a whole lot. Yeah, I'm outright saying it's racist. Hands down. I'm not one of these people who thinks that racism doesn't exist. Excuse me. In fact, I've argued that there is institutionalized racism. And I don't mean that an individual is walking up to somebody and saying, you know, like, I don't like you for that race or whatever. I'm saying that baked into the system are the remnants of racist policies that have negative impacts on people. So just redlining. That's a fact. You've created this one area of poverty and crime. I think it'd be great to find ways to solve that. Perhaps the issue is class based. But the woke left doesn't really want that. And the Democrat establishment seems to be more hell bent on just preventing more black people from existing. Serious question. Why are black people having more abortions than babies? I'm just, you know, would like to know that. I don't know. I think we're seeing it across the board, though. Everything they've proposed. Greta Thunberg, January 2020, calls for end to all fossil fuel investment now at Davos Forum. Greta Thunberg says, where's the quote? We're not going to wait five, 10, 20 years to take action we want to see. We're not the future of the world with the present. We're acting now. We cannot wait any longer. How dare you? How dare you? As she says to a room full of people who all completely agree with her. She gave a speech where she was like, we're not going to wait till 2030 or 2025 or even next year. Something like that. She wants to shut down fossil fuels now. I think the estimates are 60 million deaths within a few days if all fossil fuels were shut down. This is a call for all end for, for an end to all fossil fuel investment. OK, this will result in suffering and death. I'm sorry, that's the reality. Now, the ultimate question, are there too many people? Now, Elon Musk says no and Bill Gates says yes. Take your pick. Take your pick. So what do you do? If you think there are too many people, are you going to come out and say there are too many people? I don't know. I think human beings don't take kindly to being told that they should be dead. And therein lies the challenge. Ah, let's do a Marvel reference. You know, I like Marvel. Thanos. That was his whole thing. Overpopulation. Cull half of all life so the rest can flourish. It's the stupidest idea I've ever heard. But I think it made for a great villain in the movie. No one said he was he had he was he was a a strong long term thinker. His attitude was wipe out half of all life and it will flourish. And it makes an interesting point. He tells the character Gamora, when I killed half your planet, the rest have known nothing but full bellies. But what's to what's to say in that capacity that everything is overpopulated? I don't mean you go to someone and say, here's what's going to happen. There's too many people, so we're going to get rid of some somehow. The question is, which ones? And then they invariably say, how about the undesirables? How about the deplorables? How about the useless eaters? I'll admit, there are a lot of people that I think do nothing, contribute nothing. Useless eaters. What a brutal phrase. But it's not wrong. I'm not trying to be a dick. There are people who contribute nothing and you know it. We talk about it all the time. People whose job is to write stories about Brad Pitt's junk and they get 60 grand a year to do it. Why? What if people were doing meaningful jobs? 
What if people were building things, creating things, working on science and expanding things? That would be great. Ah, but that's not an overpopulation problem. You see, many of these problems of overpopulation can be solved by science and technology. And that means we have a cultural problem. Perhaps then the solution is not population growth reduction. The solution is not abortion or sterilization. The solution is a cultural shift towards love, respect, and scientific advancement. I take you back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. Humans were not using cars. We were riding horses, and horses were pulling carriages. But I got got bad news for y'all. Horses poop, and a lot. So in New York, the horses are walking around with bags on their asses, and when they take a dump, it plops into the bag. Back at the turn of the century, there was a fear. They said by the 20s, the city streets are going to be littered with mounds of horse manure everywhere because of population growth. There's too many horses. Yeah. Then we invented cars. And then all of a sudden, there was no horse poop at all. Our good friend Ian Crossland, co-host over at TimCast.com, makes a great point. Climate change, carbon dioxide, environmental disruption. He says, actually, we can mine carbon from the atmosphere to produce graphene. Everybody knows Ian loves graphene. If you don't watch Timcast IRL, you should. What happens when we start pulling too much carbon from the atmosphere and make graphene? What happens when graphene, our wonder material, replaces plastics? And then we start getting problems with that. Now it's like we need to stop pulling graphene from the air because we're doing too much. Start burning more. The carbon's being depleted. The planet's getting too cold. What then? You see, our solution to the horse manure problem was gasoline cars and diesel. And that resulted in carbon in the atmosphere. I certainly think that's a reality. And carbon does cause a greenhouse. Uh, carbon dioxide causes a greenhouse effect. Okay. Trees naturally pull carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, from the air. And they used to make their mass. The mass of a tree? Actually, the air. People usually think that the mass of the tree comes from the dirt. That's not true. Otherwise, they'd be shoveling more dirt in the cities all the time. No, it comes from the air. Now, there's arguments that we're burning too much and putting too much carbon in the atmosphere. We're doing it faster than the trees can actually deal with. And we're also cutting down trees at the same time and then burning those. Maybe the answer is technology. Maybe we don't need to kill all humans. I know I'm exaggerating. Maybe the answer isn't telling people to stop having kids. Maybe the answer is technology. Why don't we do what Elon Musk? We go to Mars. We colonize Mars. Then maybe when we're overpopulated, hungry and dirty, we become great explorers colonizers of distant planets. Resources await. You know, it'd be fantastic if we could create a vessel and uh, it was big enough, build it in outer space. I think we should do this. I think we can do this. We build a massive spaceship, massive, with a bunch of little spaceships for exploration and resource uh, um, mining. And then we put thousands of people in it that agree to and say, now begins the journey of a thousand plus years. We send your vessel off to the, to the nearest Earth-like planet to terraform it. And then when your, planet arri- when, your, when your vessel arrives, it will be the 30th generation or we're talking thousands of years, multiple generations. So you who embark on this quest won't live to see the arrival of the planet of the terraforming. But there will be many people who will and they'll have kids and they'll use these vessels, I think it would be a wonderful project to embark on. And then humanity becomes invincible. Because even if Earth is destroyed, our descendants will carry on 
and with this technology, colonize worlds all over the place. I'm down, baby. You know, when Europe got crowded, they said, we're going to go find new worlds. I think we should do that. And I think the technology from the, I think developing technology for this purpose will result in technology that will greatly benefit the earth. And if instead of having to reduce the population, we send off people as pioneers of the stars, a net positive, something to strive towards, and a reduction in the population of the earth. How about that? It'd be amazing. Heck of a journey. Only having a few thousand people in a vessel traveling towards what? Alpha Centauri. I don't know if there's inhabitable planets over there, but we would calculate and target and class M, they call it. And maybe that is the solution to all of this. Maybe we can do better than just euthanize sad people. Maybe we can bring purpose back to this planet, which inspires people and gives them a reason to live. In the meantime, what they're proposing just seems so disgusting and dark. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. tonight over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Joe Biden has warned that the world is facing a true prospect of Armageddon, the highest risk since the Cuban Missile Crisis, saying Putin is deadly serious about using tactical nukes in Ukraine. He's not joking. I know. I've been talking about this for a little while. I'm not a prophet. I don't know. What I do know is that based on what we think we know, I know it's complicated in war, right? Is that Vladimir Putin is not going to lose this. Our good friend Luke Rydkowski sells a t-shirt that says truth is the first casualty of war. And that's a reality. I don't know what Biden, what the U.S. intelligence service or military is planning. I don't know what Vladimir Putin is planning. I don't even know if the news coming out of Ukraine is real. And tell me this, those that are watching. Comment below and let me let me know what you think. Do you think the news is correct that the Ukrainians are winning? Or do you think that it's all BS and Russia is actually winning? Because I've seen it go both ways. Now, here's what I'll say in that regard. We're not talking about Ukraine and Russia. We hear the news. Ukraine storms into Kherson. Ukraine breaks the barrier. Ukraine, Ukraine shatters Russian defensive lines. Ukraine. You mean NATO. NATO supplied forces, NATO intelligence, U.S. boots on the ground, satellite imagery, specialized weapons and intelligence. So when you tell me that Ukraine is winning in this war, I can believe it, because what you're really saying is that NATO, all of the nations in this military alliance are. But Vladimir Putin may not have the sophistication of weapons because they're just Russia, Versus NATO. Did I say NATO? Russia may not have the sophistication of weapons, but they do have nuclear weapons. I was watching a YouTube clip about Poseidon. This is the apocalypse weapon. It is the autonomous nuclear torpedo. Actually, I can just pop it up. This is a great video. This is by Covert Cabal. And it's uh, can Russian Russia's doomsday weapon be stopped? Status six Poseidon. So let me make sure you guys shout out to uh, Covert Cabal. It's a great video. And uh, they, they, they talk about the potential for this weapon to reach 100 megatons. And they show us this excellent video of old archival footage of a nuclear detonation. It's interesting stuff. Well, in this video, the reason I find it so fascinating is that they mention, actually, I don't, I don't know if I can find it, the Strategic Defense Initiative. This was Star Wars program. Uh, I, I believe it was Star Wars program. The SDI. Strategic Defense Initiative was to stop nuclear weapons. And so the reason that Vladimir Putin created, there we go, here we go. 
strategic defense initiative. The reason that the Russians and Vladimir Putin particularly are so keen on this Poseidon weapon is they're trying to bypass our defenses. And this is what caught me as alarming when the report came out that the Belgorod submarine had been deployed. Here's what I think. I think that if Vladimir Putin launched an ICBM, we're talking 50 year old tech. You think the U.S. isn't prepared for that? We got the Iron Dome. We got that. I mentioned this the other day. So what do they do? They make a tub. Uh, they make a torpedo from a submarine. I was going to say tub marine, a, a sub, submarine launching a torpedo. It's 24 meters long with a nuclear reactor, giving it unlimited range. And it can slam into the coast and cause a massive tsunami. We think we know. We don't know. And so I, I will say I wonder about what Joe Biden is trying to say. When he comes out and says the prospect of Armageddon is, is real and Putin's not joking, there's one thing I see. I see a man trying to scare people, utilizing the fear of war to justify his expenditures in Ukraine. I think there's a re very real prospect of nuclear war for sure. But I see, I see a president, intelligence services, an establishment uniparty warmonger class saying, ooh, they're talking about nukes. How about we use that? The Daily Mail reports President Joe Biden said on Thursday evening that Vladimir Putin was not joking about using nuclear weapons in Ukraine and said the risk of Armageddon is the highest it has been since the Cuban Missile Crisis. He delivered his doomsday warning at a fundraising event for Democrats at the New York home of James Murdoch, son of media mogul Rupert. It comes amid growing fears that Putin is backed into a corner and could use tactical nuclear weapons to push back advancing Ukrainian forces. Quote, we've got a guy I know fairly well, said Biden at the reception for the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. He's not joking when he talks about the potential use of tactical nuclear weapons or biological or chemical weapons, because his military is, you might say, significantly underperforming. I agree with that assessment only based off the surface level news that I've seen. You can come out and say that Russia is doing better. And I'm sure they're doing way better than the media is portraying. See, all these these videos, they're really annoying where it's like just obvious propaganda. It's like Russians are surrendering. Shock. They're fleeing. And it's like, yes, I'm sure that's true, too. Why don't you play the videos of Ukrainians fleeing and surrendering? Because I'm sure those exist as well. It may be worse for Russians, for the Russian side than the Ukrainian side. Ukrainians are going to have I, I think Ukrainians are going to have a better understanding of why they're fighting than the Russians. Plus, the Ukrainians are backed by NATO, so I can believe it. Look, it's, it's, it's simple human behavior. Russians are invading the eastern region. They're being told that there's Nazis and that they got to liberate this. At least that's what we think we know from the press. Again, I don't know. It could be all propaganda. But either way, an invading force is going to have lower fighting morale than a defensive force. To put it simply, if... The U.S. Here we go. How about this? Would you go fight in Ukraine? Yeah, no, you probably wouldn't. And there's a lot of people who are deployed to Poland and are helping. They're probably like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why I care about this. What if they stormed the beaches of North Carolina? Yeah, then you might think differently. If someone was invading us, heck, even I would be like, tell me what you need. I'm, I'm not going to stand by and allow an invading force to come onto my into my country. I got problems with the with the establishment, all that. But hey, man, you know, it's like when someone insults one of your siblings and then you're like, hey, I'm allowed to insult my sibling. You're not. That's what it's kind of like. It's like, hey, I can rag on Joe Biden. I think Joe Biden's got problems, but don't you dare come here because I'll be 
you know, I'll, I'll do what I can. I'm not going to pretend to be like a great fighter or anything like that. So probably best left to people who have better military training than I. But I would do what I can. If, and, and I think most of you would agree if someone dared come onto to American soil. But think about what that means for Ukrainians. They, they like their country. They don't want Russia coming in. Russia's coming in. Now, I'm sure there are many people in the eastern region who do like that Russia's coming in. They're saying like Russian installed officials and things like that. And I'm like, dude, if there are Ukrainians that are taking up these positions, they're clearly happy to have done so. So they support Russia and they prefer Russia over NATO. But anyway, it does seem to me that there's good reason to believe Russia's ground forces aren't performing the way many thought. In which case, tactical nukes. Why not? Russia wants to win this. They could pepper. You know, here's, 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 here's one thing I think you should consider. Maybe the Russian military is not underperforming. We're hearing that Ukrainians are storming the, the, the lines in, into the eastern region and they're pushing Russia back. What do you think Russia would do if they were preparing to use nuclear weapons? I don't mean ICBMs. I mean tactical nukes, nuclear artillery, 10 megaton bomb, 100 kil- I'm, I'm sorry, not 10 megaton, 10 kiloton bomb. Now, 10 megatons would be absolutely devastating. Uh, 10 kiloton, 100 kiloton. I think uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki was 15 kilotons. So let's say Vladimir Putin's going to use a 10 kiloton nuclear artillery. It'll be comparable to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And he's going to wipe out along the borders of these regions. Well, he'd pull back. He'd pull back his military, let the Ukrainians run in, and then he's not going to blow up his own people. Do you think that Vladimir Putin would be satisfied with being the king of nuclear waste? To be completely honest, yeah, I think he would be. I think Vladimir Putin would. These are lower yields, okay? So these are, you know, 10 kiloton. It's massive, very massive. But it's not going to cause, it's not going to like wipe out entire cities if they do it in rural areas along the border. Ukrainian forces rush in. They're like, yay, we're winning. And then Putin goes, now. And then you get just a peppering of nuclear artillery right along that stretch, wiping out Ukrainian forces. And then Putin says, okay, now advance. You got, it just, you don't know, man. We don't know. It's hard to know. We'll never know. I don't trust Joe Biden when he's talking about this stuff. I don't trust him because I, he, they, they may just be trying to scare all of us into supporting their war. To think that, that Russia would nuke the United States, I don't believe it. Especially with the SDI program. You know, we've, we've, we've got to have something. There was in, in the video, they show like satellites launching interceptors slamming into the ICBMs. Newsweek says, desperate Putin could nuke six Ukrainian cities to try to win the war. Yeah, I absolutely think so. Quote, I am worried that Putin is being backed into a corner on Ukraine as his armed forces face defeat. Professor Eric G. Sweden said, he could easily choose to lash out with tactical nuclear weapons in a desperate attempt to change the outcome. My suspicion is that he will not make a demonstration strike, as some have proposed, because a demonstration strike just shows that you're unwilling to use your nuclear weapons. That's a really good point. Using tactical nuclear weapons on the battlefield is difficult and require well-trained soldiers to exploit the use of such weapons. The Russians are not in any position to take advantage of such strikes. The most likely use of the weapons would be to hit a half dozen cities in western Ukraine. 
damaging the ability of weapons and supplies to flow in from Poland or Romania. Wait, he's saying Western Ukraine. Man, he makes a good point, and that's freaky stuff. That's freaky stuff. Supplies from NATO are coming in through Poland. And so I talked about the fear that Russia could strike Poland to shut down the transport. Fair point. The first thing he'd do is he'd hit, he'd hit Western cities in Ukraine, disrupting supply, supply lines. Not only that, he could target just roads. If Putin were to strike at a series of roads, it's going to severely disrupt the ability to bring in supplies, albeit temporarily, but that could be enough. And if he sustains a bombardment, man, Putin's holding back. Let me just say it plain and clear. Putin is holding back. So when they say that Russia is losing, yeah, maybe. But, you know, imagine it this way. There's a six foot five ripped heavyweight dude. And there's a handful of scrawny dudes swinging at him. And he's got his hands up and he's just backing away slowly, taking a few swings, hitting a few guys, but, you know, blocking, taking some hits. And everyone's laughing and like, yo, he's losing. He's losing. And then you're just like, dude hasn't even taken a swing yet, bro. He's been doing light jabs. Wait till he, he, he sends in something hard. That's Vladimir Putin. The strategy he's using, it's minimal. If he starts using, he doesn't even need to use a nuclear bombardment. There could be strikes along Western Ukraine disrupting supply lines. He hasn't even done that yet. So you have to wonder what it is he's doing. They say tactical nuclear bombs are significantly smaller than the strategic variety created to devastate cities and are designed for battlefield use. However, if used, the weapons could break the taboo on nuclear warfare that has been in place since the 1945 U.S. attacks on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The historian said tactical nuclear strikes would probably not result in Ukrainian surrender, which would mean a frustrated Putin will be inclined to escalate and even use more tactical nuclear weapons. To deter this, Sweden said Western powers should make clear that nuclear weapon use will not stop them from supporting Kiev. Did you see what Zelensky said the other day? We opened with this on Timcast IRL. He called for NATO to engage in preemptive strikes against Russia. Man, I, it, how do you avoid this? North Korea is doing, you got, we got right here, North Korea missile tests. How do we avoid this? What is the path towards de-escalation? I don't see it. Joe Biden, NATO, Western powers have a bloodlust, blood pouring from their mouths. They want war. Afghanistan's done, but they will replace that, that stream of blood with Ukraine. For what reason? Now, Vladimir Putin invades. I get it. He starts this. For what reason is the U.S. involved in sending anything? It's because the war pigs have blood pouring from their mouths like depraved demons who desperately want to see death. And I'm sure they'll argue, no, we're trying to prevent it. You see what Vladimir Putin is doing? It's bad what Putin is doing. I, I like Ukraine. Ukraine's awesome. Been there a couple times, several times, actually. I have friends from there. The food's awesome. The people are great. And it's brutal what, what, what Russia did. And there's a question of principle. If the U.S. did not get involved, what would have happened? Russia would have walked in. End of story. That's a bad thing. But is it better or worse than nuclear war? Is it better or worse than dragging the entire world into a conflict? 
Look, man, the last thing I want anyone to do is lay down and let someone else come and steamroll you. But, man, there's tough questions. There really, there really are tough questions. I think the Ukrainians should have stood their ground and just said no and never allow Russia to do what they want until the point where Russia realizes these people will lay down and die before they give in to what we want. I think the Ukrainians should have fought that. I guess the answer is they wouldn't. Not unless the West came in and supplied them. And that means Russia says, NATO, you want to go? You want to fight? Then we get the sabotage of Nord Stream. Obviously, Western powers involved. Around the world, they believe Nord Stream was hit by NATO, by the U.S. Only in the U.S. and perhaps the U.K., do people really believe that Russia blew up its own pipeline? So, yeah, we are in a war. Now, I can respect this one from The Washington Post. Jason Willick says Biden's instincts to avoid war are sound, even if Putin goes nuclear. Is that Biden's instinct? Is it? I can agree with the idea that no matter what happens, we should avoid direct intervention. And only when when Vladimir Putin uses a nuke on a city, Will we realize there is no winning here? If Putin uses a nuke, there will be no support. I mean, I got to be honest. If Putin nukes Ukraine and the U.S. preps nuclear strikes, I think this country would collapse in two seconds. I think there would be people screaming no. And we're talking about the, an existential threat to human life on this planet. You got to understand the power of these nuclear weapons. It is not Hiroshima and Nagasaki, 15 kilotons. I think it was, it was kilotons, right? Maybe it was megatons. I don't think it was megatons. No, I'm pretty sure it was kilotons. Megaton bombs came later. Now we have bombs that are 1,000 times more powerful. And in fact, I mean, it's just crazy to think even more than that. We have 100 megaton bombs. The Satan II missile, they call it. The Russian missile, it's got a 50, 50 megaton yield. Some estimates say that Poseidon has a 100 megaton yield. I believe it. You know, the official reports say it's two megatons, considering the delivery mechanism, perhaps. But the Russians, they built Tsar Bomba, the biggest nuclear gravity bomb ever, and they only ever tested it at half capacity, a 50 megaton explosion. The devastation this, pan, this, this planet will face if we go into a nuclear war man. Maybe then the aliens show up and turn everything off. Like that's, that's, the, that's the old conspiracy theory, but probably not. There's not going to be some outside force, some savior. I think that if, if Putin uses nukes, the West won't do anything. Maybe in Poland. Maybe, maybe we'll deliver nukes to Poland and say it's on you. If the U.S. were to launch an ICBM or any kind of, kind of nuclear strike, I'd be willing to bet you would see riots across this country and the government would collapse. I'm not even exaggerating because no one's going to sit back and be like, I'm ready to be annihilated in a nuclear strike in retaliation by Russia. You know, we're not talking about war in a far off land. We're talking about them sending the bombs here. Who is going to be OK with that? I think regular Americans will lose their minds. Back in the day, war was some far off land. Man, shout out to the movie The Patriot. Uh, you know, I love to quote The Patriot. When Mel Gibson's character gets up and he says, mark my words, 
This war will not be fought in some far off land. Your children will learn of it with their own eyes. Such an amazing movie. He's talking about the Revolutionary War. And it was. The fighting happens outside your home, in your fields. It's so easy for so many of these Americans supporting war in Ukraine to wave their little flags because the fighting is happening thousands of miles away. What happens when the fighting comes here? What happens when an ICBM or some kind of uh, or Poseidon hits a coastal city? Yeah, the people in this country aren't going to be like, yeah, let's get more of this. You know, when it comes to World War One and World War Two, it's easy for us to be like, we will go over there and assist. It ain't happening here. It's easy to support a war you will never see with your own eyes. It's much harder for those who have to go and fight it. It's much harder for the veterans who know, the, who, who know what it means. And it will be much, much harder for the American people when the strike happens in their country. And then you'll hear Vladimir Putin say, to the American people, you are not safe. The work you do, the support you give, it is war against us and we will not stand idly by. And then to these people, these warmongers who supported the, the, the conflict in Ukraine, the U.S. involvement, they'll say, please, no more. Please, it's not worth it. No one, no sane person would sacrifice Boston for Poznan. That was the quote, right? Well, how about this? How many Americans would sacrifice Dubuque for Kiev? None. So why are we engaged in this? You know, because you've got psychopaths, you've got addiction, you've got the military industrial complex. And these people are saying Ukraine's ours. You can't have it, Putin. And Putin's saying, you know what? Enough. You know what Putin's saying? Maybe I can. Who the fact that we're facing nuclear war. I just want to ask that question. To all of the American people, would you sacrifice Boston for the Donbass region, for the entirety of it, for Luhansk, for Donetsk, for Crimea? Would you sacrifice Omaha for Crimea? You don't even know where Crimea is. You don't even know where Zaporizhia is. I never even heard that word, and I'd been to Ukraine several times until the conflict started. People don't get it, man. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up. At 1 p.m. on this channel, thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.